Hello and welcome. This is Self-Control, How to Build a Better Life, the podcast that will inspire you to take control of your mind and your mindset to go forward and build the life that you want to live. The life that you deserve to live, in fact. My name is Patrick Strevens, and this podcast is something of a journey for me. Uh, It's chronicling my journey towards peace of mind. It's such a place and such a state wherever possible. And I'm honored that you would be a part of this journey as well. Never tell you how to think or how to act or what to believe. This is not some guru, some influencer telling you what to buy and how to think um, to join their army. This is a conversation, um, a place of humility, a place of very little judgment, and it's a place that you are more than welcome to uh, to join and to step forward into. I want to pick up on an idea that I'm, I'm still working on. It's an idea that sort of occurred to me uh, in the summer as I was rebranding my podcast, and uh, I'm, I'm feeling more and more ready to speak on it because independently of me, uh, a couple of the guests that I've spoken with uh, over the last month have more or less brought up some of these I, this idea, you know, relatively as I see it, um, they've brought it up independently of me and it makes me think that, okay, so it's not such a harebrained idea and we can continue to work it out and we can continue to tease it out and we can uh, hopefully, uh, you know, opening the kimono a little bit here, the goal of this podcast is always to frame these things in a way that's going to be approachable to you, the listener or the viewer, uh, hoping that it can help you um, build a better life. Now, I'm skeptical about how much of that I can really do, but I, I'm, I'm honestly and humbly sharing um, some things that have that I'm thinking about, some things that have worked for me, some things that are obviously occurring to other people that maybe you can put into practice um, in your own in your own uh, spiritual or personal development journey. So. I have referred to this idea uh, personally, internally, I'm not sure if I've spoken it out on the show too much, um, as relational or negational thinking. Okay, so in in an earlier episode, I contrasted this way of thinking with, with the idea of gratitude. And I simply said, you know, if you are always leading with the things that you are not, right? If you're, if you are seeing yourself as a collection of, well, I'm not as, I'm not, tall, I'm not funny, I'm not handsome, I'm not pretty, I'm not sexually attractive, you know, I'm not rich, you know, all these, all these things that we all fall into the trap of doing, essentially, that's what I would call negational thinking, you're, instead of saying, you know, I am five foot seven, I am reasonably attractive, I am funny sometimes, um, I am really good at making carrot cake, you know, I am pursuing a meaningful relationship with my sister, you know, all these sorts of things that you're actually doing, you know, that might be something like positive or or grateful thinking, right? If you're at least able to say, this is real, this is what I'm doing, this is how I see myself, and this is what I'm grateful for. That was sort of how I framed it. To get down to the heart of the matter on this episode, we need to say negational thinking is that act of of seeing yourself as a collection of all the things that you're not, or relational thinking is that act of seeing yourself as being not something that somebody else is, right? And uh, a good example of that might be my landlord, who's an older gentleman. Uh, He mentioned to me that his wife uh, has a sister, and he said that something to the effect of that when two sisters get married off, those two husbands often end up in an arms race with one another. And you can imagine, you know, well, she's got the bigger house. We need to get the bigger house. They had another kid. We need to have another kid. They got a second car. We need a second car. We need a bigger house. We need a bigger car. 
then, you know, when you add that element of, of human humanity, right, and within the family structure, you could see how somebody could get trapped into this sort of relational thinking. So I think the real present danger with this way of thinking is that if we begin to see ourselves as a collection of all the things we're not, right? Like I'm not as wealthy as my friend from high school who became a lawyer, or, you know, I don't own a house like my, my friend from high school who became a lawyer, or, you know, I don't, you know, I'm leasing my car. I couldn't buy my car with cash like my friend did, or, you know, like my, like my parents did when they were my age. Or, you know, and those are material things. It's, it's very, it's not uncommon either to say, well, I'm not as funny as that person again, or I'm not, you know, I'm not as handsome as that person. I haven't had the sort of sexual experiences that that person claims to have had, right? Um, I can't go out into the world and be confident like that person. Um, essentially what we, what we run the risk of doing here is, is negating our personality, is negating our self, nullifying our own self into zero, right? If we're always thinking about the things that we're not, if we're always thinking about the things that we don't have or we haven't had yet, uh, then what are we, right? We're, we're, well, you can't add up a bunch of zeros, right? A bunch of zeros is still just zero. So I would say above all, this, this episode will be a call to me and to you as well if you're looking to improve upon your, your mindset to, to, to at least not necessarily stop altogether, but look for opportunities to, to stop with the, neg- the negation of the self, right? And again, it is necessary to do or to partake in an honest appraisal of yourself. And it is necessary to say, well, these are where, this is where I've more or less fallen short. Or instead, maybe this is where I would like to go and I'm not there yet. But when we get into a process of building that mental ecosystem of our, of our own making, when we get into that process of building that based on negation, I really worry that it can become a... Um, a slippery slope into depression, into self-loathing, potentially into addiction, uh, definitely into distraction, right? If we're, if we're always worried about all these things that we're not, it's often quite easy to not want to think about the hard work it would take to get where we want to go, right? To set goals, um, to again, to do the hard work. So for me personally, this became a call to become a person, to to, to grow up and to become a realized being, not a collection of thoughts about what I wasn't, but in fact, to begin to work on becoming what I wanted to be. So I hope that, I hope that that is enough of a um, cursory <laughs> um, sort of laying out of this idea of negational or relational thinking. And I would challenge you now to, to maybe think about ways in your own life where, where that's occurring. I think a big one for me that I'll touch on in a bit was um, or I'll just touch on it now was, you know, I have a, I have a friend who's very intelligent, very smart guy. And he's also very, uh, sharp witted. He's very judgmental. I would say he's very, he's, he's no bullshit, right? If something's stupid, he'll call it stupid. If I say something stupid, he'll let me know that he thought it was stupid. So what I was actually getting in danger of doing was creating a concept in my head of, of this friend of mine, a friend that I've known for almost 20 years, who there's mutual respect and admiration for each other's abilities and the, you know, the ability to make the other one laugh and the commitment that we have to our friendship. And yet I was creating a concept of this friend in my mind and saying, well, I, I maybe I won't do that because he would think it's kind of mid-witted or maybe I won't say that because he'll just shoot it down or... Now, I mean, he's really good at that, so I probably won't. 
I won't bring it up. I won't bring up my attempts at, at that action up, you know, whether it was cooking or music um, or writing, whatever that may be. I, I was living in this. And the truth is a lot of that probably wasn't necessarily true. Or, you know, if it were true, he would actually maybe be more interested in instructing me or teaching me or working with me on becoming better at those things. But what I was doing was creating this relational framework in my mind that ultimately led to limiting beliefs, right? It was like, well, okay, I won't say that because, you know, so-and-so will find a way to shut it down or feel poke holes in the logic or whatever. I I just would, would, would say to you to examine your own life for whether it's a person that's sort of living in your head rent free or it's limiting beliefs that you're creating because of a family member or a friend, examine, and you don't have to go too deeply on it now, but are there times, are there places where you're finding yourself uh, lesser than and you're sort of conceptualizing your own identity based on what you're not or what another person is first? So again, as I said, it was gratifying to sort of be having those thoughts and thinking, well, I mean, these are these are sort of harebrained, not harebrained, but they're big sort of amorphous floating thoughts that apply mostly to me. But then when I was speaking with Luke Bouchard, my friend, on that uh, last episode, we were talking about ways in which we can be guilty of thinking ourselves away from peace of mind, okay? So, and this relational and negational thinking is a great way of doing that, right? Like, if we're after this process of a peace of mind, of feeling calm, of feeling centered, of, of living in the present, and of, of not allowing our, ourselves to become stressed out simply by our own thoughts, well, then this relational negational way of thinking is is definitely one of the ways that we can do that to ourselves. So, you know, on the topic of thinking ourselves out of peace of mind, uh, Luke brought up essentially the same concept, but he framed it a little different. He framed it in a way that I think is actually more approachable. It's probably more commonly understood this way. So let's actually quickly listen to Luke's description of this idea, and then we'll move on from there. Peace of mind cannot be achieved when we judge. Mm-hmm. Mm. It, it, it's a simple fact of determining that the other person is either, you know, less than, or, you know, you're either less than that person or you're better than that person. Mm. But ultimately, we are projecting our beliefs as to how that person should be in life. Um, you know, there is no such thing as common sense. Common sense is only what you and I agree upon. Sure. And if we think people are doing things uh, that are not common sense, well, we're judging them, you know, and if we are in, if we were in another country, in another part of the world, we would not know what the common sense is unless we we're acclimatized to that, right? So, so it is it is the act of judging others, and you know, judgment is the is the oxygen of the ego. Hmm. Judgment is hmm. basically what keeps us uh, separated because it is my judgment of you or anyone that I find to be less than me. Is really, it's really about being less than me. Somehow I'm better than that person. Right. That causes causes us to lose our pain, our, our uh, center and our peace of mind. Mm. It, it is not our place to judge anyone because how do I know exactly what that person has gone through? They may have shown up to be, that's the best day there in their lives and it may look <laughs> god awful to me. Sure. But that may be the best day in their lives. And and I, I think there's a very selfish reason why we shouldn't judge others and that is because who wants to be judged themselves right and that's what that's all that arises from judgment right is yeah. it was more judgment <laughs> yeah 
yeah, judgment begets judgment, which begets judgment, which is which is a a process of uh, really uh, when we judge others, <clears throat> we see them as separate, and we believe that we have nothing in common with that. Judgment is the oxygen of the ego. What a great line. What what does that mean? Well, first of all, I think judgment is probably a great way to sort of further understand this idea of of relational or negational thinking. Right? You see somebody. And you then place a value judgment on them. In my case, a lot of the time it was, you know, seeing myself as lesser than that person. But, you know, in theory, you could you could run away on this idea of being superior to everyone else. And then, well, big deal. You've just built up your conception of self based on a bunch of other people that you're supposedly better than. Again, what have you what have you accomplished yourself beyond being better than someone? You know, what have you accomplished internally? Same idea here, but so I think when it comes to this idea of, of judgment and then the idea of the ego, you know, so much of this is rooted in the ego, right? And well, I don't have the greatest sort of conceptualization of what maybe the formal definition of the ego is, but let's think about it as this idea of individuation, right? Of being a sovereign island, being an individual, right? And it's so often, and we talked about it, Luke and I did, about how this idea of being an ego or being egotistical or being an I, that that is, well, it's for one thing, it's, it's what prevents forgiveness for one thing because when something has been done to us, we've been wronged, we internalize that as something that has happened against me, right? So it's that individuation, it's that being a sovereign body, being a an island truly that leads to a lot of this process of judgment, right? It allows or it sort of leads to us saying, I'm an individual and thereby I need to define myself in some way. Now, the danger then becomes defining yourself by others or defining yourself by what you're not. So then the question truly has to be, what kind of positivity, what, what um, peace of mind, what centered calmness, what presence, what spiritual progression could possibly be sustained if we're living in a way where we're always defining ourselves by external metrics. And if we're always focused on the things that we're not, it can in fact become exhausting to be having to constantly judge every person we see and place ourselves in some sort of fantastical hierarchy. So as I, as I alluded to earlier, that example with me and, and my friend where I'm building this sort of relational hierarchy in my mind where I'm, I'm judging myself as being lesser than, um, and then basically creating an ecosystem of limiting beliefs. What it amounts to is, I would say, projection, right? My deep-seated self-consciousness, self-loathing, insecurity, low self-esteem, or uncertainty about who I am is now being mapped onto the external world, and I'm allowing it to feed back. So if this is getting a little bit too psychobabbly or a little bit too um, fantastical or a little bit too let's say, um, theoretical, I think really we could, we could lay down our tools at this point and simply say it becomes exhausting to, to, to judge yourself, to conceptualize yourself by external metrics because then it never ends and it's always changing. Every person you meet, every interaction you have now has to be filtered through this lens of the ego and say, well, how did I come out looking on that one? How did that build me up? Or how did that make me look bad? Whereas 
ultimately this concept of self-development that I'm pursuing and that I, I believe you are too, or this idea of a spiritual progression towards, you know, being one with God or one with the universe would not have these egotistical conceptualizations of value, right? You know, as Rumi said, the, um, the Islamic poet from many centuries ago, out beyond ideas of right doing and wrong doing, there is a field and I'll meet you there. I always love that quote because it's, it suggests that there is a place we can get to where we're not concerned with right doing and wrong doing, or in this case, who's better or who's worse, or what do I have and what do they have and what do I need that they have. Ultimately, we create a stressed out state and we, we're always living in misery. We're always torturing ourselves when we choose to compare and contrast ourselves to external metrics. So I think then if we could say that this show or this particular episode has any form of a call to action, it's that we need to begin to interrogate these beliefs that we have. Now, again, this supposes that you are willing to do the hard work of building a better life, right? And I, I know you are because you're here and you're watching this show. And I'm not telling you necessarily how to do it. I'm telling you what I'm going to do. And I, I'm trying to work on this idea with you in a sense. And you'll have to let me know if it works for you. But again, this requires awareness, which is a huge key piece to this self-development. And now it requires a willingness to do the hard work and say, okay, maybe I am building a mental ecosystem of, of negational and relational thinking. I'm always seeing myself as, as the things that I've failed, the things that I'm not, the things that I don't have. Or I'm always comparing myself to my brother and all his successes and all my, you know, coming in second. If you're willing to become aware of that now and to see that as part of your identity, as part of your behavior, as part of your way of looking at the world, now is the call to begin to interrogate those beliefs. And I think this has been one of the more empowering things that I've come across even since starting this show as it is now is that in those limiting beliefs, in those addictions, in those failures exist the seeds for growth, for, for healing, to become human, to become more spiritual, to become more enlightened. Because in those, in those failings, in those limiting beliefs, simply by reversing them, can we find the steps towards who we actually are, what we actually need, and who we actually want to be. What this hinges on then is the idea that so much of our own misery, so much of our own misery is our own making, right? Even if you, and Luke spoke about this in our talk on forgiveness, even if you have been wronged, even if you have been hurt and victimized by another person, if you continue to hold on to that and become aggrieved as part of your identity, to, for that to now become a grievance upon you, something that was done to you and is now permanently done to you. That's, that's the ego talking, right? Even if that's the case, you can begin the process of letting that go. And so again, so much of our misery comes from our own thoughts and it is of our own making, but that means, and this is the beauty, you then possess the key, you possess the ability to stop. You can also be the cure. If you are the cause of your own misery, you can then be the cure. What I'm saying to you is that you can take control of your mind and your mindset to go forward 
and build the life that you actually want to live. And it's not about having a yacht in the in the Caribbean, although that would be nice, but talking about waking up every morning and not hating yourself, talking about waking up every morning and feeling good about where you're going. And so much of it is happening on this level, on the mental level, on the ecosystem of thought that we build. You know, I was going to save this for the end, but I'll say it right now. Marcus Aurelius has a quote that really hit me. And I don't read much, to be honest, but a friend of mine highlighted it in his book and sent it to me. And it, it just seemed like, uh, it seemed like fate. Marcus Aurelius said, the things you think about determine the quality of your mind. Your soul takes on the color of your thoughts. So think about that. All the things that you think become, in a sense, if you let them, who you are. You can think yourself into who you want to be. When we allow our thoughts about who we are to actually define who we are, then that means we can choose who we want to be. You know, if you continue thinking that you're lesser than, if you continue defining yourself as something that you're not, then in fact, that is what you are, right? That's what you've chosen to be. You give those thoughts power and then by living them out, they cease to become thoughts, they become actions, they become reality. You have now chosen to think yourself into being lesser than, being something that you're not, being second, being a victim. But again, that means that you have the power to change the way you think and thereby you have the power to change your reality. Again, I'm getting into this mode now of like preaching to you about all these things that you're going to do. The truth be told, this is all stuff that I'm, I'm pumping myself up in the mirror here ultimately and then <laughs> sharing it on YouTube. So um, this is this is truly it and it's, it's, it's an empowering but it's also a big and somewhat um, scary realization that like all these things that you feel comfortable about believing good or bad are just things that you have decided to believe about yourself. And again, there are certain things that just are your height, you know, the year that you were born, these sorts of things. But when we're really talking about who we are, like you want to be, uh, you want to be someone who's socially accepted. You want to be somebody who climbs the corporate ladder. You want to be a good father, a good mother. You want to maybe pursue a meaningful relationship with a, with a new partner. All of these things, if you've spin them as places that you're going and you think about how you want to achieve these things, they can be on some level achieved or else you will achieve a certain amount of something by pursuing things, looking through the positive lens, right? You think to yourself, this is who I'm becoming. This is what I want to be. Not what that person is, not what I'm not. You build an ecosystem of thought based on positivity and based on aspiration. Patrick, I'm talking to you. <laughs> so, okay. Maybe I'll take a breath <laughs> and calm down. But let's, let's think about this for a second. Here's the call to action for this episode. If you've developed or if you notice now that you're developing an ecosystem in your mind, a conceptualization of how you look at yourself based on um, judgment, based on egotism, 
based on an inferiority complex or a superiority complex, you know, being better than or less than other people. Um, if you see yourself based on what your brother-in-law has and what you don't have, here's the call to action. Let's interrogate those limiting beliefs. Let's interrogate those negational relational thoughts. And to do that, I want to throw to a clip from my conversation with Nikki Barnes, where she lays out quite simply an exercise that you could do today, tonight, right away to begin to interrogate and reframe these beliefs that limit us, these beliefs that torture us, these beliefs that hurt us. So let's listen to Nikki uh, give us some advice on how we can begin to turn these limiting beliefs on their head and live a better life today. It's like limiting beliefs. It's There's this um, fairly simple exercise, although you might find it challenging, that you can just literally rewrite your beliefs. Mm. Um, so, for example, you have this belief, okay, I'm not going to find um, better friends. And then you could... I would journal. I would journal it because that way you get it actually onto paper and out of your head. Okay. Um, and I feel like it might help to actually ask yourself a question and say, for example, um, what makes me feel like I wouldn't be able to find these new friends? And you say like, oh well, I've never experienced people like this before. Um, and then you could ask yourself another question. Okay, so where else would I have to go to find people like this? And you could say, oh, maybe to another town or maybe to another country, hmm. or maybe I can join an online community with people that are like this. And then you go, okay, what kind of people would I like to surround myself with? Hmm. Um, you could say, okay, high vibe people that are fit and that are eating healthy and that are full of energy and they have their own business whatever, something, you could be super specific. Sure. And then you can ask yourself, okay, so where can I find these people? Okay, I'm going to join an online group. Um, and your new belief could be um, like these people, like my my perfect friends are waiting for me in the perfect place or in a different place. Mm -hmm. mm, that was a terrible rewrite. I, I kind of generally need to write this down myself. Sure. But basically, like, from going, oh, I, I don't believe these people are out there, to, oh, maybe I just need to look somewhere else for these people, and they are out there for me. Mm. Um, so that process of, like, asking yourself these questions helps you to understand where that belief comes from and what you can actually do to take action to change that. It's just that easy. Of course, it won't happen overnight, but you can look for opportunities today to rewrite these beliefs that you have. I think she gave a great example. It's like, I, I don't seem to have the friends that I want. I don't seem to have the friend circle that I want. Okay, there's a negative or a negating belief. I don't have the friends I want. Okay, but there also then is an invitation or the seed to explore, well, who are these friends that you want? Where would they exist? Where might you find them? Would you have to move or could you find them? Perhaps could you start to find them online? And what is it that they're doing that you're not doing Again, a negative belief, but what is the challenge to you then? If these are, as she said, high vibe, fit people who have their own businesses, well, how can you raise your own vibration, improve your fitness, improve your diet? Think about starting a business, right? These things that you don't have can in fact become, uh, by their very nature, aspirational for you to live a better life. This is the wild and empowering thing that I'm stumbling on, and I'm sure many other people have stumbled on it before me. In your mind where that lack and that desire and that 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 nullified that all these things that aren't, they can, if you are willing to do the hard work and to pull your head out of your ass and say, they are not the current, currently these things are not. 
But those then signal to you the aspirations. And if you're willing to do the hard work of writing, whether you want to do voice notes on your phone, you want to start a podcast, you want to start a vlog, get those ideas out of your head and confront them. And then you can easily say, this is the life that I want to live. All these things that I don't have, I, I want them. I want to work on them. I want to work towards them. So in keeping with the, that example of a social circle, let's let's touch on one more example. And this is a common one. Let's say you you believe that you're socially anxious or you're socially awkward or you're not readily accepted socially. And that may be true, right? Like, again, some of these negative and relational beliefs are true, <laughs> right? Like, you may say, my brother-in-law makes 500K a year and has all the toys and I don't have any of them. It's like, well, that's true. Okay. Now, is that the life you want or do you just feel inferior because you see all that material good that he material goods that he has? So you don't believe that you're socially accepted or that you may in fact be socially awkward or you have a hard time, um, you know, having enjoyable, uh, fulfilling social relations. Okay, again, that may be true. But here's the call then. Let's examine that. Well, how do I know? How do I know that? Well, I don't get invited to many parties like I used to maybe or as many parties as somebody else. There you go being relational again. And when, I, when I'm at work and we're, we're, we're chatting, you know, and it's coffee break time, people don't really seem all that interested in what I have to say or they don't really look at me or they don't, you know, they don't ask me questions about myself or they talk over me. It's like, okay, so maybe there, there may be a problem there with the way you interact socially. Let's begin to interrogate these, right? In these moments where you've allegedly failed or where you, you believe that things could be better, come the seeds for growth. It's like, okay, people talk over you. It's like, well, are you making eye contact with them when you speak? Do you have interesting things to contribute? Like in this social circle, whatever it may be, do you contribute something to the group that nobody else does, right? Like, do you have a strong identity, a strong persona, a strong personality that you bring to the group, you know? So the social circle is a great way as much as it, it is a relational and negational um, hell that we can build in our social relations. It is also somewhat of a mirror. Well, it's like, okay, yeah, maybe I'm not good at eye contact. Maybe I don't, maybe I'm not a great conversationalist. You know, I don't ask enough questions and people just kind of get bored of talking to me. So then it becomes a, ch a challenge or a call to growth. It's like, let's work on eye contact, right? Let's work on body language, right? Let's work on being a smiling, friendly, open listener and someone who has something to contribute. You know, maybe you need to read some damn books or watch some films or have some experiences or think about the life that you've lived and put it in a way that maybe would be interesting to another person to converse with you, right? Again, I'm not, this is, more or less me talking to myself again, but um, do we need to maybe work on our cognitive abilities? Do we need to be a little sharper up here, a little quicker with the wit, a little bit less afraid to say something that might ruffle some feathers, right? Like, do we need to present ourselves more fully in this social sphere? But again, this all stems from that limiting or negational belief that things for me are not going well socially. Okay, here's all the reasons. In each one of those reasons comes the, comes quite plainly, comes the thing that you can now work on to fix it. Now, of course, it's much easier just to sit there and wallow in it, but this whole process 
assumes that you would, uh, I think, want to do the hard work of making your life better, right? That's what this is all about. So let's wrap with this. Our thoughts only have as much power as we give them. If you want to build a whole ecosystem in your mind, a whole way of looking at yourself that says, these are all the things that I'm not. These are all the people who've accomplished more than me. You're more than welcome to do that, but it leaves a lot on the table and it's probably not a great way to live life. And I lived that way myself for many, many years. And I'm not going to do that anymore, or at least I'm going to begin to work on opportunities where I don't have to do that. I'm not going to give my thoughts the power to define me. Many of my thoughts do not, are not necessary in defining myself. Remember, we, I said that a little while ago. The thoughts that you have about who you are, they do define you when you begin to act them out and have them repeatedly and make that your identity. So you better be having some good thoughts about yourself, right? The fact then that they are just thoughts means that we can change them. And it's not like you can snap your fingers and change them overnight. This is a process. This is hard work. This is interrogating the thoughts that we're having and deciding that we don't want to have them or we want to change them or we want to spin them toward the positive. We want to be grateful for the things that we do have. We want to pursue aspirations. We don't want to see ourselves as being not or being lesser than. So part two of my conversation with Luke Bouchard will be out shortly on Monday, the 13th of February. And we, we spoke a lot about this idea, I guess, of what he actually calls mind watching. And that is, you know, becoming aware of what it is you're thinking and then choosing how much power those thoughts need to have. Let's listen to a quick clip about Luke talking about this process of mind watching. This is what we do. We have a thought that comes into our head. What we tend to do is we embrace that thought as real. Mm. I don't know where money's coming in. I'm going to lose my house. So what we end up doing is this. We take a thought and we allow it to envelop us. And we think that that thought is real. And these are any thoughts that cause us to lose our peace of mind or cause us angst, worry or whatnot. Because we have this thought comes in. We see it as a problem. So we we go, holy shit, that's I'm going to lose my house, blah, 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 because I can't afford rent. So then we want to go into action. And then that thought causes us to, is very disconcerting. It causes us to be fearful. And that takes us out of homeostasis. That takes us out of a sense of actually everything's okay. I have a fear about that. So I have to do something about it because I don't want that outcome. So I'm now projecting to the future. I'm no longer in the here and now. The trick in that moment is to go hold the phone. It's just a thought. It's just a thought. It, it's no more real or valid than any other thought. And, and yes, I may lose my house. And yes, I may be terribly embarrassed. Yes, that may all be true. However, right here, right now, there's no one knocking at the door. The bank's not sending a foreclosure notice. There's so much water under the bridge before that's going to happen. So right here, right now, it's just a thought and I don't have to do anything with it. And that is where we get into trouble is we have a thought and we've been conditioned to think that when this thought comes in, it's real and it's true. So there you have it. It's just a thought. It's just a thought. We can determine how much power to give these thoughts. And in fact, I believe we can undertake a process of choosing what to think and how to frame the way we look at ourselves. We don't have to always see ourselves as compared to others or as victimized by others or as things that we are not. We can be grateful. We can lead with 
we can lead with being a whole being. These are the things that I have. These are the places I'm going. These are the things that I aspire to. To me, that is a better step forward. It's a better way to go forward. Um, and I, I believe it will lead to a place of self-love. And beyond self-love, it, it may lead to a real spiritual place of, of, of oneness and of calmness and of acceptance of the way things are. So <laughs> I need to go have a drink of water and take a deep breath. I hope that you enjoyed this. I hope that it is helping. And until I speak with you again, please remember that better is possible.